O Lord, by the sacrifice of the Passover lambs, you saved your people from the bondage of Egypt. We thank you that you instituted this as a feast for their generations until it was fulfilled in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, from the bondage of sin. We confess that we do not keep the true Passover lamb always in our hearts, but return again to that bondage. Deliver us, O Lord, by your word of promise, and keep us steadfast in your word. In the name of the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the second book of Moses, called Exodus, the twelfth chapter, beginning with the twenty-first verse. Please rise. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, or the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come into the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. For centuries, the Passover was the central, visible image of the faithfulness of God's people. They instructed their children. They observed it yearly, and they remembered. But then it was fulfilled in the one St. John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As the original Passover lambs, without blemish, a male of the first year, delivered the Israelites from their bondage in Egypt, this Lamb of God, Christ Jesus himself, was the Lamb without blemish who saves from the bondage of sin. Many modern-day Passover satyrs imposed the question-and-answer format that Moses implied. Children are instructed to ask about each aspect of the supper, and the adults answer these questions in a liturgical question-and-answer format. But I suspect that for the first Passovers, these questions came spontaneously. Trace the timeline. On the tenth day of the month of Nisan, each family would take a one-year-old lamb without blemish, into their houses. The Lord instructed, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Five days the lamb lived with the family, played with the children, ate from their hands. And then, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. That question that Moses implies here when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? I don't think that was a calm question. I think this is what the parents were to interpret and to answer behind the weeping and wailing of their children as they probably clung to the neck of this lamb and begged, why? 
I think of all those crowds who followed Jesus and loved him, all the sinners who heard him and treasured his teaching, as meanwhile the Jewish leaders readied their knives for slaughter. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him clinging to the neck of the Lamb of God. When they did seize Jesus at night so that there wouldn't be a riot while all the children were sleeping, some of those who loved Jesus were present. Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? His beloved lamb, Peter's beloved lamb, was about to be taken away to be slaughtered. So he rebelled. He reacted against those who were about to kill his beloved Lord. But Jesus answered, it must be so. Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan while families selected their lambs. He was in the city daily in the temple teaching and eating with them while those lambs would have been among the families. And that night that Jesus was betrayed, all those perfect lambs were slaughtered. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now this story is tragic enough, but it goes even deeper. The first Passover occurred on the night that God struck down the firstborn of the Egyptians. The wail that went through Egypt at midnight is almost impossible to imagine. Often we think that merely the young were affected by this plague, that death primarily struck infants, children, and teenagers, but there's nothing to warrant such a limitation. All firstborn sons, even if you were the firstborn of your mother and 80 years old, you would have been struck dead. Even the animals were affected. When the midnight star rose to its zenith, there was not a house in Egypt without someone and most likely something dead in it. Some biblical scholars have pointed out that the ten plagues in Egypt are direct challenges to many of the main false gods in Egypt, or proofs that those gods are powerless before the Lord. The tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, attacked Pharaoh himself, and the Pharaoh of Egypt was considered their chief god. In any film version of the story of Exodus, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or the animated Prince of Egypt, you actually see how this personally comes against the Pharaoh when his own son is killed by God. But there's something more significant even than all this death. We love our heroes. We love to see battles won and feats of strength. In the Disney movie Hercules, you love to see that main character throwing his enemies around like ragdolls. But even there, the climax doesn't come until the powerful warrior becomes incredibly weak and even goes deep down into the furthest pit of death. What's more significant than the death of all the firstborn in Egypt is how the firstborn of the Israelites were kept safe by the death of a lamb. Death is justice. Death is what we deserve. David sang in Psalm 51, Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. If God meets out justice, killing some human being or other, no one can hold that against him. It's just what that human being deserves. 
But the Bible also says that in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. He was patient. In the 10th plague on Egypt, it was as though he pulled back his patience just a little bit. He let loose just a little of his just wrath, not on all mankind, but just on the firstborn in just this land. He was showing the price of disobedience against him for the wages of sin is death. But he also provided a gift. He protected his people by the death of a lamb. Now, if you remember the story of Joseph, after he became second in command in Egypt, he brought his brothers and his father into the land, and he told them to say to Pharaoh, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. What an unthinkable thing, not only that a weak one-year-old lamb belonging to a slave would save them from the wrath of the Almighty God, the God who defeated all the Egyptian gods, but that this was even a lamb, a creature who had no value in Egypt. They could never imagine this. But God said to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. On Palm Sunday, when the Jewish leaders complained about those songs the children were singing to Jesus, Jesus quoted Psalm 8, saying, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? God promised the devil that the seed of the woman, a child, a human, mere dust, would crush his head. Isaiah states it clearly. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hearing all the wails of Egypt, I think many of the Israelites would have known that their bondage wasn't only to those slave masters. Death was their lot from the beginning, from the first sin of their first parents, the parents of Israelite and Egyptian alike, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The Israelites would have taken comfort in the fact that they were behind those doors painted in the blood of their beloved perfect lambs. Only there was safety. Only there was life. After the lamb was killed, each family was instructed to take a bunch of hyssop dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Like a paintbrush, that rough plant whipped the doorposts like the scourges that whipped our Savior's back. Three strokes, like the name of the triune God that marks you 
in baptism so that you die with that lamb in baptism and rise to his life so that the blood of the lamb covers the doorposts of your heart. And you also will bear your crosses, the torment of your enemies and their hatred. Your Pharaoh, the devil, will grip you tight and all who serve him in the world will as well. Your own sinful flesh might feel at home in this kingdom under his false gods and at least with them there's less persecution. But don't fall for it. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Don't leave the protection of the blood of the Lamb who delivers you from bondage to sin until he comes again on that great morning and calls you out to the bright, new, perfect, eternal day. Remember this, because God has purchased you, because the blood of the Lamb covers you, you are saved. Sin might scream and fight against you, but God has won. In such wondrous love, his lamb has gone forth and died for you, shed his blood for you, and covered you with his love and forgiveness, promising you an eternal, joyful home. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to everlasting life. Amen.